0: Good morning. Thanks for choosing church this morning or turn, tuning in online. If you did that, great, appreciate that. If you did, then, uh, oh, you did, you did. You chose church, you've tuned in online if you're watching and you picked a doozy of a day. And the reason for it is, is we're talking about change today and not too many people like change. Unless, of course, it's like in a wardrobe. And if you don't like change in your wardrobe, and it's probably time for a change in your wardrobe. But as a general rule, we don't like change, especially when it's been forced upon us. Instances of that would be, say for instance, divorce. Maybe some of you have experienced what that's like. It wasn't something you chose, it was forced upon you and it brought change. Or maybe a diagnosis. My 21-year-old nephew just this past week never had any problems before in all of his 21 years just found out he has type 1 diabetes now. It's a big change. Some of you know what it's like to lose a job, or maybe not lose your job, but just lose the income associated with your business. And it brings about a change in your life, and those things are hard. Sometimes change just disrupts our routine, which can be so annoying, because it's like it forces us to exert the mental energy to engage in something new. That can be a real problem. And change, by its very definition, means a departure from something. If that something was precious to you, that could be seen as, well, maybe there was something wrong with it. You take that personally. It's just one of those things that comes with the perception of change sometimes, is that it's not a good thing. So yay, good for you for choosing today of all days to choose church or Tune in online. But I need you to know something. I'm I'm not going to force anything on you today. In fact, what I'm asking you to do is to choose change, which brings me to the big idea for today. The big idea is this. To be a Christian means that we choose change. To be a Christian means that you choose change. Think about it right from the very beginning. One of the very first things that needs to happen if a person is going to be a Christian is that they cry out to God saying, would you please change me? Will you change me? Take my sin, take it away, take my life, take control. It's change. So today I'm asking you to think about choosing change. If you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, why don't you open that up to the book of Romans chapter 12. Turn to that. While you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of some history on this. This is actually not really a book. As much as it is, it's a letter. It was a letter that was written by a guy named Paul to the Christians at the church in Rome. Paul wrote a lot of different letters. He wrote them all the time, in fact. And many of them are now what we have in terms of the New Testament. So they're actually letters. That's why we call them books. In this particular book, this letter to the Romans, Paul emphasizes something. He emphasizes that we as Christians have to choose change that we have to choose to be transformed by God and that it's in that process that God begins to develop us and to make us into people who are more like him rather than more like us. Let's read this verse together, Romans chapter 12, it's verse two. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. In case you're wondering about what that primary behavior or custom is of this world, it's this, is that you and I literally from the moment that we are born, we come out of the womb this way, we are completely captivated with our own will. It is our will that reigns supreme. You've never met a child yet, an infant or a two year old, or sometimes even 20 year olds, you've never met one yet who was outwardly thinking about others, right? They're always majorly concerned with their own needs, their own wants and their own desires. If we are going to be the kind of people who transform on what's natural to us, which is our own will supreme, to placing God's will supreme, and we're trying to accomplish that with our lives, like what Jesus was, then something has to change. Something needs to change inside of us. What what Paul is saying here is that that transformation takes place in the mind. So what happens is, is that God, when he becomes a part of your life, he will begin to speak thought into your mind, into your heart, and into your soul. And when it happens, the, the burden of responsibility is up to you and I to pay attention. Because in those moments, what God will literally do is help us to change our thinking to be more in line with his. And that's what God wants to do. So today, I wanna talk about the number one thing that needs to happen in terms of a change of thinking. When we start letting God doing that, here's the number one thing that needs to happen. We need a change of thinking when it comes to religion versus relationship. Let's say that again. We need a change of thinking when it comes to religion versus relationship. Now, I know that there are a lot of us in here who have some religious backgrounds. Some of you I know grew up Mormon some of you grew up Lutheran or some of you grew up Catholic or some of you grew up in one of the many different varieties of Protestantism that's out there. I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, one of the Protestant uh, Protestant denominations. And the Church of the Nazarene is just a reference to Jesus being from Nazareth. And every single week I went to church, I was being taught on a variety of different things, what it meant to be a Christian or what it meant to be holy or what it meant to be saved. And I don't know that this was intentional on my parents' part or on my pastor's part. I don't think it really was. But the fact of the matter is, is this is the truth. I was lured into thinking that I was a Christian because I knew what stuff to do and what stuff to not do. Sure, I'm a Christian. I confess my sins. I go to church. Check, check. I know some songs. I, 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 I've even memorized some passages, you know all these things. And these things are not bad things. I'm not criticizing them at all. But what I'm saying is, is that is not being a Christian. Being a Christian means to be Christ-like, Christ-like, and first and foremost, above every other thing, if we're going to be Christ-like, then the thing that he placed at first value was to experience a sweet, close, and intimate relationship with his father. Jesus was never into religion. He was into relationship. Perhaps one of the best illustrations of this was when he was 12 years old. Jesus was 12 years old and his family, every single year, they would travel to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. It was a big religious holiday that the Jews still celebrate to this day and had been for many, 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 many years. And they would travel to Jerusalem and it would would be one of those things where they would take maybe all of their family members and they would gather together with other families and they would travel along these roads for safety reasons and also for camaraderie reasons, but they would make their trek to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because that's That's where the temple is at. Well, if you're not familiar with the temple and the significance of it, let me back up and tell you a little side story to hear. You see, in the beginning, originally in the beginning, what we're told is that there was this Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden is where you have God. And his presence was literally felt in the Garden of Eden. He walked and talked and hung out with Adam and Eve. It was a part of what they got to originally experience. That was God's plan, to walk and talk, hang out, high five, do all kinds of stuff with people. But then the whole sin thing happened. And you know what happened. They get booted out of the garden. God removes his presence from them. Well, fast forward later, uh, later, many, 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 many years, what ends up happening is God instructs them to build a tabernacle. And then this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. If you've ever seen Indiana Jones, you've kind of seen what that looks like. Well, it was then that God said, my presence will now dwell once again amongst people. Right there between those two little angels, a cherubim up there on top of that Ark of the Covenant. Well, do you know where the Ark of the Covenant is, is held, where it's placed and where it's stored at that time? In the temple. It's where God's presence is at on the Ark of the Covenant, in the temple. So that's the reason why everybody would go to Jerusalem. They would go to the temples because that's where God's presence was at. So every year they would go through this process of you know, their, their religion, their, their, This is what they do. They go there, they show up, and it's awesome and it's wonderful. It's kind of a reunion with God! Hi, God! Yay, let's party, let's celebrate, let's sing some songs. We'll eat some food, we'll pray. It'll be awesome. Yahoo! And everybody's happy. It's what we do. At the, it's, it's, it's the Passover. It's our religion. It's our celebration. So they do that. They go. And they leave. And as they're leaving and everything, everybody's happy and everybody's talking and having a great time. And Jesus' parents aren't really paying attention, but he's not with them. And then later on that night, they set up camp and everybody starts grouping back up together by family. And they're like, hey, where's Jesus at? And they can't find him. Oh, crap. So they head back to Jerusalem. Three days later, they find him at the temple. Have any of you ever lost your kids before? I was at the fair one time with my son, Ethan. I think I lost him for 15 seconds and I nearly crapped my pants. I kid you not, I began to sweat immediately. I turned around and he was gone. And of course, the first thing that hits my mind is, oh, he had been abducted and I am lit up. And and then I finally see him around in the corner. He's got the ice cream cone. And that was just 15 seconds, people. Maybe not even that. Three days you've lost your kid. Try to imagine what that was like for them. And so what happens is they they see him in the temple and you can can import into this what Mary says to him. Let me read to you in Luke chapter two, verses 48 through 50. Why have you done this to us is her response. Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. And pay, pay close attention to what Jesus says here. But why did you need to search? Didn't you know? I must be in my father's house but they didn't understand what he meant. They didn't understand what he meant. Here's the reason why they didn't understand what he meant. And the reason was, is because the Passover to them is a part of religion. It's what you do. When you think religion, that's what you do is you get in, you do what you need to do and you get out. That's what religion is. But for Jesus, this was about relationship. This was an opportunity for him to actually be be in close proximity to his dad, where his dad's presence actually is and where it could be felt. Jesus was not looking for an excuse to leave. He wasn't waiting for the last song to play so that he could excuse himself out and beat the rush. He's wanting to hang with his dad. That's relationship. What his parents were experiencing was religion. Do you enjoy God's presence? Does he think that you enjoy his presence? It's probably the greater question to be answered. Do you know that what God says is that he craves closeness and intimacy with us, with you? That his desire is, is that you would invite him into your life so that you would spend intimacy and close companionship with him, that his Holy Spirit would be there constantly to be a voice to you of encouragement or comfort or love or conviction, that what God's desire is is not to be just treated as a, a means with which that we feel better about ourselves through some religious practice that we've learned by our doctrines or our covenances, but what he is interested in is wholehearted, abandoned toward him where we long to be in his presence. Close to him. Hanging out with him, talking with him, laughing with him, crying with him. Relationship. That's what he wants. That's what he craves. There's a big difference between relationship and religion. I remember the day very clearly when that all changed for me. Many of you have heard me tell the story about the day I was a first-class passenger on an airplane I was rebelling against God, I hated him, I hated the church, I wanted nothing to do with him. And the Holy Spirit showed up on that plane, uninvited. And he spoke to my mind. It wasn't like an audible voice, but it was just this abundantly super clear thought. And he just started saying, Matt, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I don't care that you hate me. I don't care that you despise me. I love you and I'm not going away. And I've already forgiven you for everything that you've ever done. I'm forgiving you for right now, the way that you are right now. And you just need to know I'm not leaving, I'm not going anywhere and you're stuck with this. You're stuck with this. I'm a pyrotech. That means I know what it's like to have my chest compressed and my head concussed from being in a little too close proximity to a high-impact detonation. I know what that's like. That is nothing, nothing like having the Holy Spirit blow into your soul, blow into your mind and your heart. He devastated me. And there was this feeling I remember having of wanting to be close to him. Literally the thought of wanting to be close to him. And immediately there was this sensation, this satisfaction as if I was. And folks, I want you to know I had a meltdown right there in 2A and everybody saw it. It was uncontrollable. The Holy Spirit had invaded my life and I I was loving it. And he was speaking to me. And there was this moment though, where as I was enjoying all of this presence and I was... enjoying a relationship as opposed to religion where God and I were talking, mentally talking. And I was telling him how much I loved him. And he was saying to me, I know, and you need to go back to church. Boom. Immediately, my attitude changed. And I began to fight with God. Some of you have done this too. It's where we try to get God to align with our thinking rather than aligning ourselves with God's. And I began, and I remember saying to him literally, I love you, but I hate the church. I want nothing to do with the church. I don't want any part of it. I don't want anything to do with it. Forget it. There's just no way. And what God is speaking to me, and you got to understand something about me. See, I grew up in the church, I grew up in the church, and I loved it. I thought it was fun, I was a go-getter. I was studying rigorously. I mean, I was writing papers at age 12, 13, 14, asking people questions. I literally had my pastor at that time tell me years later that I was a pain in the butt. But there were all kinds of people that I kept asking antagonizing questions of and I was causing a lot of frustration. So it was in that moment I'm trying to explain to him and get him to align with my thinking and he keeps saying to me, Matt, 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 don't you remember? Don't you remember that I made it so clear to the disciples that I was going to die? That I was going to raise from the dead and I was going to empower them to go out, to go into all the world, to baptize them and to build the church. And I was going to build my church through them. Don't you remember me saying that? I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. And he said, and don't you remember that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, that's where I will be, that my presence will be there. Don't you remember that it's you along with all the rest of the people that are in the church. You're like carved stones. It's like you're brick that have been assembled together to create my new temple, my new dwelling place where my presence will be felt, will be amongst my people together. Don't you remember that, Matt? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, 21, Paul makes it so clearly. This is what he says. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. A temple is the dwelling place of God. The presence of God is felt in and amongst his people. So while... I'm trying to convince him, that's a terrible plan. God's trying to convince me, no, Matt, it's not a terrible plan. It's not a terrible plan. And I keep railing against him, I don't want anything to do with it. I hate Christians, pastors are idiots. I don't want anything to do with all this. God, listen, here, listen, 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 God. Here's what I want. I want a relationship with you, period, end of story. And God kept saying, no, no, no no. And he started speaking to my soul and he reminded me of things that I knew. In fact, he told me, Matt, you need to know. I've always thought this way ever since the very beginning. A relationship just between you and I will never work. A relationship between you and I will never work. There always has to be others. And I've never thought a relationship just between me and a person was enough. In fact, let's go back to the very beginning for a second here. Some of you may know this. In the beginning, we're told in Genesis that God created everything, right? But after an accomplishment, he would say, that was good. It was like he was complimenting himself. That was good. Oh, God. <laughs> that was good. And he kept saying, that was good. That was good. That was good. There was one time he was looking at Adam and Adam was just Adam. No Eve, just Adam and God. And God said, that's not good. That's not good. See, Matt, I've never thought that a relationship with me outside of others was good, ever. I've never thought that way. What God was saying to me more so than anything is, Matt, here's the biggest barrier. Here's the biggest barrier of you right now drawing closer to me. The biggest barrier is is your attitude toward others. The way that you see and perceive others is stopping you from being closer to me. Because if you wanna be where God's presence is, you wanna be where my presence is felt the best, then it's amongst others, not by yourself. In other words, our willingness to grow closer to others reflects our willingness to grow closer to God. It's the truth. And I had that moment, like Paul was talking about, where you have to let God transform the way you think so that you will become a new person, transformed, able to see that God's will is perfect and pleasing. That was my moment. It was one of the first moments I ever had where I had to let God transform the way that I thought. I had to go back to church. So I did, I chose to go back to church. A lot of things have happened since then. Little did I know then that I was gonna become a pastor. But I can tell you this, choosing to become in proximity with other people has radically changed my relationship with God. From that moment and that day on, he has been drawing me closer into relationship with him and helping me to understand the purpose of religion. Our religion will never ever amount to anything unless you and I have a relationship with God. Our religion is worthless. It matters not to him, and it will certainly be spotted by every other person around us. That's, that's all it is. It's just religion. They can see that. So I had to get back into it. I had to choose to be disciplined to put myself in and around other people and deal with all their stuff as they dealt with mine. And in the process of that, grew closer to God. So let me make this real. This next Sunday, we're gonna start a brand new sermon series. It's called... 50 Days of Transformation. Here's the book. What I'm going to ask you to do is be a part of one of those groups, to choose change, to choose to get into it. The following week, not this next week, but the following week, we're going to be starting up some small groups. You're going to have them highlighted all over the place, online, on the board, here. I'm going to ask you to get into one of those groups. Choose change. Choose to be around other people. And I know that there are reasons why people say that they don't want to, and I guess that there are probably some legitimate reasons out there, but there are some really bad reasons too. Here's a bad one. You're you're a poser. You're a phony. And you know it. You're going through the motions, playing games, showing up at church. People can think that you're, you know, Christian. But the fact of the matter is, is, you're going through religion. You're checking off boxes. You're making yourself feel better about things, but deep inside, you really know that you don't have a relationship. And if you were to get into a small group of people, they would know that. They would spot that. They would see that you're a poser, that you're phony. I know what that's like. Believe me, I, I wrote the book on it. When you grow up knowing a lot about religion and studying other religions, you figure out how to just go through the motions and sail through it. The key to it is, is just avoid people. Avoid situations where they actually can get to know you call you on your crap. That's one of the reasons some of you are posers. Another reason, big one, you've been hurt by people. And quite frankly, you think they suck. You don't want anything really to do with them. You've been hurt and now, again, it's easy. You can show up at church and you can be like, I love God. Oh, this is so nice. Oh, hi. And all the more of the engagement that you really have to do with them is just a smile but you invite them into your home, that's a whole nother level. Or you join in theirs, that's a whole nother level. The fact of the matter is, is that some of us don't wanna really exert the energy it takes to care for somebody. We're just so tapped out. All we can really do is just care for the ones that we have to. This is not what God wants for us. The greatest command that has ever been given in fact includes others in it. It's almost as if God has played a trick on all of us to say, there's no possible way that you can ever get closer to me without getting closer to others. It just can't happen. God wants us to be intimate with him and out of that, be able to have impact on others. We have been challenged as Christians to be noticeably different than this world. We have been challenged and called out by God to let him transform us and then in so doing, we would see that his will is perfect, is pleasing, and it's good. That takes change and that takes choice. You have to choose that. It's not natural to us, it's not. What's natural to us is to continue to be just the way we were out of the womb, totally and completely focused on our own desires and our will, and then to start navigating through life with intellect and coming up with new and better ways to be able to try to get God to align with our thinking. That's not gonna work. Our thinking needs to be changed. For that to happen, we have to let God do that. For that to happen, we have to pay attention when he speaks to our heart, soul, and our mind. And what he is saying to my heart, my soul, and my mind is the same thing that he's saying to yours, which is, draw close to me, come be with me, join me, seek out my presence with others and love them. And I'll help you do it. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I, I feel sometimes when I stand up here and pray after a sermon, like I've taken and slid across the desk a tiny little offering. And it seems so small. I know that there's no power in my words. I know that we could stand up here, pastor after pastor, week after week. We could flap our gums and we could try our best, but unless you get in here and do something with your Holy Spirit, this is all for naught. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would take all the things that I've just said and take all the things that were important and you'd make them land in the ears and in the hearts and in the minds of all those who are here today and listening online. And now with it, you would do to them the same thing that you did to me. You would overwhelm them. You would shock them, that you would explode inside of them and detonate your presence within them and that the impact of it would be concussive. Maybe some of you are here and you're Christians and you know you're Christians, but you really, really have struggled with your relationship with God. And you've been relying upon religion. You've been going through the motions. You've been playing the games and you really feel convicted not because of what I said, but because the Holy Spirit's like, listen, listen, I want closeness. So I'm gonna ask you to just do what you know to do right now. And that's to simply cry out to God and say, I'm sorry, please forgive. I wanna be closer to you. I've been calling the shots. I've been doing this my way. I've been going through the motions. I have not been responding to your challenge and I've chosen my own growth pattern and pace. And I'm sorry, I wanna grow at your pace. Give me the strength to do this. And He will. Maybe you're not a Christian and you know it, or you're kind of waffling and you're just not sure. You really don't know whether you are or aren't, but you wanna be tired of being in this situation in this place where you just you really have lost control over your own well-being and you know it. If that's you, I'm gonna offer a simple prayer, it doesn't matter what my words are, it matters what your words are and what your heart says. So change them. But here's the sample. God, please forgive me. Please take my sin and all this stuff that I've been dealing with. Will you please just take it from me. I, I don't know even what that means, but will you please forgive me and And will you change my life? Will will you place your spirit inside of me and speak to me and talk to me and help me to understand what it is that I'm supposed to do? And will you please provide the strength because I know I'm not gonna have it. I'm gonna fail today or tomorrow if I don't have your strength and forgiveness. Help me to know what it is that I'm supposed to know and help help me to truly change. And if that's you, I know what you're feeling right now. I know what you're experiencing. You're feeling and experiencing the Holy Spirit fill you, flood you begin the process of just letting you know how much you're loved. God, I pray that you're doing that right now, helping everybody here listening online to know how much they're loved by you and how much you wanna be loved by them. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please? We're gonna sing through this last song, and it's a prayer. It's a chance for you to really pray to sing out your prayer to God and to tell him how close you want to be to him, how much you want to experience his presence. After the song, I'll come back up and I'll dismiss this. Today, maybe you've made a decision that, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get into one of those transformation groups when they come out. If that's the case, then on your way out, pick up one of these books. We've got them for sale out there. We're just selling them at our cost. I know that some of you were wanting them last week, but we ran out, which is a good thing. We got them here this week, so please pick them up. And maybe some of you, you made that prayer today for the very first time. And right now you're like, wow, man, what does this mean? What's going on? Grab one of these. It's a gift bag. there on the tables by the doors. And there's some stuff in there that's going to help you get started. And then let me know. Let one of the pastors know. Let somebody on the staff know. We're willing to help you. It's a good thing. We'll walk with you through this. But hopefully more than anything, what you guys will do is you'll choose change. You'll understand what that means. It means letting God transform you by the way that you think. And hopefully that happens this week. Love you guys. Hope to see you next week.